Section 2 of Gautium Crucis, A Meditation for Good Friday by Walter Lowry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The First Word Mercy. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23 34. They know not what they do. This word of Jesus, they know not what they do at once extenuates and condemns. Not know when all their national history was a training for this sight. God had instructed them by all his prophets, rising up early and sending them, as the striking Hebrew phrase puts it, and yet at the supreme moment it may be said of them, they know not what they do. Is not this condemnation? Condemnation the Jewish rulers might have accepted with composure from him whom they wronged, but this damning sentence uttered as an extenuating plea for mercy must have been unendurable. They not know what they did, when they were then in the act of accomplishing a long-cherished purpose, shrewdly planned and ably executed. Rather it is this man that knew not what he did. They have defeated his dream of being king, and all his other purposes of every kind are brought low in death. Officially the rulers felt themselves offended by the superscription, This is the King of the Jews, which Pilate insisted upon attaching to the cross. They were willing, however, that Pilate should write, He said, I am King of the Jews. They might well think that this manifest irony served only the more clearly to display the flagrant disproportion between the claim of power and the proof of impotence. And the people, even such as had been attracted by his comfortable words, and impressed by the divine authority of his voice, even they judged him now by what is ever the crowd's securest warrant, his failure. He saved others, himself he cannot save. Yet all along it was Jesus that was steadfastly accomplishing his mission, while the Jewish people, at cross-purposes with their prophetic hope, were accomplishing upon themselves an adverse and unlooked-for fate. Sheep they were, rending their shepherd, a nation crucifying their king. Not know what they did? When Pilate himself put to them this very question, Will ye crucify your king? And their servile cry rang out, We have no king but Caesar. For that they repudiated, openly and unwittingly, their claim of national independence, Unwittingly they abjured the Messiah, and they cried out exceedingly, Let him be crucified. And with that cry they raised Jesus to his throne. Again it was true of them that they knew not what they did. Before this time Jesus had never announced expressly that he was Christ and King. Such an announcement was inexpedient so long as its real purport was sure to be misapprehended. And so, even when Jesus had led his apostles to this grand discovery, he forbade them to publish it. It was not until this last hour that he could publicly appear as king. Even then he was not willing to assert what was still sure to be misconceived. But he was at the same time unwilling to disallow a claim which impending events were soon to reveal in its true character. "'Art thou a king, then?' Pilate asked him. And Jesus replies, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end have I been born, and to this end am I come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. 
this doubtless expresses st john's interpretation of the function of the revealing word what is historically significant is the fact that jesus while he does not expressly disavow the claim only implicitly allows it straightway interpreting it in terms of a higher kingship than pilate conceived for to preach the truth is no part of the idea of an earthly kingship and in fact the substantial reality of this regal dominion over the minds of men jesus might then claim as never before as a preacher jesus had never addressed such an audience was the world roman as well as jew for these things were not done in a corner now that the clouds of misconception were about to be dissipated he could claim an absolute and universal jurisdiction every one that is of the truth heareth my voice if therefore jesus' throne was a pulpit the cross was thrown and pulpit both the whole shame of crucifixion lay in the publicity of its exposition of the crucified but this very publicity constituted the glory of jesus's cross where the divine love made a show of the despoiled powers of evil openly triumphing over them in it when jesus said and i if i be lifted up will draw all men unto myself he was certainly thinking of his elevation to heaven and of the power and dominion that were to be his upon his supernal throne thither he would draw men but st john can be convicted of no ineptitude when he interprets his word as a mysterious hint of the manner of death he should die the crucifixion was a lifting up that was the essential shame of it but it proved a lifting up to an incomparable dominance over the hearts of men the essential truth of st john's interpretation of jesus's answer to pilate is attested by st matthew's gospel for the same question had already been put by caiaphas the word christ is a figurative expression for king the one word was natural to the jew the other to the roman jesus's long silence before his accusers was finally broken when the high priest exclaimed i adjure thee by the living god that thou tell us whether thou be the christ jesus answered thou hast said it if he were to answer the question according to the meaning of the questioner he could not simply say i am for what caiaphas conceived the christ must be namely an earthly potentate that jesus was not yet the claim that was to be his death warrant he could not now disavow therefore he replied thou hast said it therefore too he introduces with an adversative particle what he has expressly to say about the sort of kingship his is jesus proceeded to supplement the half-truth of caiaphas's conception of the christ with a notion which so vastly exceeded it that it must appear rather as a contrast than as a mere explication or addendum nevertheless i say unto you henceforth ye shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven at this the high priest rent his garments saying he hath spoken blasphemy blasphemy jesus was adjudged to have uttered not because he confessed to being the christ in caiaphas's sense for that was not a capital offence in jewish law but because he claimed a divine status therefore the council exclaimed he is liable to the death penalty with that sentence they thought to defeat an ambition after earthly rule which he would not have 
and they raised him to the transcendent dominion which he claimed and they knew not what they did henceforth is the word jesus uses meaning not at the end of the world but from this time on in another place jesus had said there are some of those standing here that shall not taste death till they see the son of man entering upon his reign jesus had no mind to claim the kingly title till he had entered upon his kingly estate and received the power which matched his authority the power which he henceforth exercised in the midst of his church was proof of his exaltation in one sense it is perfectly true to say that in the lowliness of his earthly ministry jesus was not yet the christ he lacked the power and majesty of kingship he had not yet entered upon his reign none recognized this so clearly as jesus but it was the same jesus that was to receive the dominion and even while he was not manifested as king or detected as such his right to rule was ever the same as christ he was convicted by the council as king he was condemned by pilate as king he was mocked by the soldiers and the irony of the superscription designated him as king upon the cross irony upon irony he was king indeed and they knew not what they did this word sums up the tragic fate of the jewish nation father forgive them ignorance is sin and it exacts its own proper penalties but it is not in itself a mortal sin there is hope for those who know not what they do the old testament already made a distinction of a sort between venial and mortal sin the latter was called sinning with a high hand that is with clear resolute purpose of rebellion against god we may detect a reflection of this in that word of jesus where he says whosoever shall speak a word against the son of man perhaps he means here man simply it shall be forgiven him but whosoever shall speak against the holy ghost it shall not be forgiven him neither in this world nor in that which is to come this stern saying jesus uttered in holy wrath for there were some that had seen in him the spirit of divine power and beneficent love healing the sick casting out devils raising the dead and that good spirit the giver of life they had called beelzebub among the many that actively abetted or unprotestingly witnessed the crucifixion there were doubtless some who saw the vision of divine holiness and love and hated it because they loved the darkness but there were more who knew not what they did was there such an one there may we suppose as saul of tarsus a lover of righteousness though not according to knowledge from whose eyes the scales had not yet fallen if not he himself there were doubtless others about the cross who had been indifferent or hostile to jesus yet became bondservants of jesus christ we remember that hitherto even his brethren did not believe in him for the jews as a people does not our lord's petition give fundament for browning's apology thou if thou wast he who at mid-watch came by the starlight naming a dubious name and if too heavy with sleep too rash with fear o thou if that martyr gash fell on thee coming to take thine own and we gave thee the cross when we owed thee the throne thou art the judge we are bruised thus but the judgment over join sides with us the son of man acknowledged no personal enemies 
in Jesus Christ yesterday and today the same and forever, counts only those his foes who hate righteousness and the spirit of it. Such there are, but more there are who know not what they do. The son of Jonah the prophet, to which Jesus once appealed, signified in the first instance the unexpected repentance of the Gentiles, but above and beyond that it bears enduring testimony to the incalculable mercies of God, to Gentile as well as Jew, but to Jew as well as Gentile. Hear what St. Paul, addressing the Gentiles, says of the Jews, For if thou wast cut out of that which is by nature a wild olive tree, and wast grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which are the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Now if their fall is the riches of the world, and their loss the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For if the casting away of them is the reconciling of the world, what the receiving of them but life from the dead? With this word of personal pardon, Jesus seals with a solemn Amen some of his hardest precepts, which are fain to interpret away, or to regard as sheer counsels of perfection, but which he announced as the mere condition of participation in his kingdom. Think of the implication of that prayer which he has taught us to take upon our lips. Father, forgive us as we forgive. With this word, Jesus introduces a new note into human life, not absolutely new, yet so new that it can be contrasted with all that was recognized as duty by them of old. But I say unto you, love your enemies, and pray for them that persecute you, that ye may be sons of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Such precepts would remain forever too hard for us, were it not, as the first epistle of Peter says, that Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, threatened not. Be ye merciful, even as your Father is merciful. A new note this is in human life far yet from being predominant, but throughout the world it sounds increasingly like a bell. St. Stephen, who was the first to suffer in the likeness of his Lord, showed also a heart attuned in harmony with his when he cried, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Nor do we need to look back to stories of ancient saints for instances of men who beneath the cross have found power even to forgive their enemies. Jesus reigns from the tree, and an act of royal clemency is his first word. End of section two.